Hi, and welcome to the Athena Rising podcast. I'm Dana. I started a journey long ago to heal myself, and I want to bring you along. I have a master's degree in counseling, plus certifications in Reiki, regression, and hypnosis. My goal is to help women heal our unique emotional pain by showing you all the ways that exist to do just that. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves, we are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Every Tuesday, I'll introduce you to guests, topics, and modalities that will inspire you to try something new on your path. Let's get started. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about a few special episodes that will be airing in December. I have decided to record three 30-minute meditations that will go live the first three weeks in December. This was a suggestion that my mom made, and I decided to take her advice because whether you celebrate any holidays or not, there is such a buzz of stressful but excited energy during this month, and I really think that we could all just use a moment of zen to relax and unwind. So in this spirit, I will be featuring meditations that focus on breathwork, mantras, and clearing our energy fields so that we aren't holding on to anything yucky from strangers that we might pass in stores or even from our own family members who might be stressed out or not feeling their best. I've chosen to do three of these episodes because three is such a holy, magical, and divine number to me, and then I'll be taking the fourth week of December off to rest and celebrate Christmas with my family. I'll be back in January, though, don't worry, with a regular schedule of solo episodes and interviews with even more incredible people. Today's guest is someone very, very special to me, my acupuncturist, Crystal Cliff. Crystal has a varied and impressive background, beginning in law enforcement, then moving into massage therapy and Reiki. She is now a nationally board-certified Chinese medicine practitioner and Chinese medicine herbalist, as well as a student in earth medicine studies to become a shaman and a doctoral student in acupuncture and oriental medicine. She does so much, as you can tell, and is so knowledgeable, which you'll see for yourself in just a minute. Our conversation centers on acupuncture, but honestly, it is an ode to the healing journey itself. Crystal encourages you to understand that you are your own greatest healer and to also understand that all practitioners are just helping to guide you back home to yourself. Keep listening to witness her wisdom. Crystal, thank you so much for being here. This is a long time coming. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Thank you. It's amazing. I'm so excited for you to share your light with everyone today. And I would just love for you to start by talking about what you do. You do so many things. (laughs) And um, I know we're going to focus mainly on acupuncture, but you can tell us everything that you do. I just want to know. Mercy. Um, So... I am trained, I am a nationally board certified Chinese medicine practitioner, um, nationally board certified Chinese herbalist, and a licensed acupuncturist. However, um, that is one of my now four degrees. I'm in school for my doctorate for Chinese medicine as well. Um, so that's one of my four degrees. My, my original love was anatomy and physiology, and I studied that literally from the time I was six. 
So that's kind of um, my underlying passion. Beyond that, I am also a Reiki master. And uh, that's in two lineages now. I'm studying a second lineage of, of Reiki. So I'm a Reiki master in the um, Sui Reiki Rieho lineage, um, which goes back, and we don't have to trace all that, but, um, and then I'm a, in a student in a second Reiki lineage called Shinpinden Okuden Reiki um, Rieho, uh, Sui Rieho. And that goes back to the samurai warriors and the Shinto priest. And so, you know, that's just super powerful and just amazing, amazing, amazing work. Um, and then I'm also in earth medicine school studying with shaman Robbie Warren. And so my eventual thing is, um, that I will be apprenticing with her in the future to become a shaman. Um, that is not a title I can give myself. That is something that is conferred upon you by the, um, initiations and all of the things and the training that you do. And I'm a long way, long way from that title. Um, but I'm very excited to be in part one of that journey as an earth medicine um, student and uh, medicine woman to be uh, in the Native American lineage. And that lineage goes to Joseph Beautiful Painted Arrow, um, Rael, and he is Ute and Tiwa. And he learned all of his medicine from his grandmother, who was the medicine woman of the Ute tribe, um, which is part of the um, Navajo Dene um, nation. And so it's just, it's really beautiful with that. And I'm also a pipe carrier, a sacred Native American pipe carrier for the people. And so what that means is that I was gifted a, an extremely, extremely sacred um, Native American pipe and was initiated by my shaman uh, about a month ago. I've had the pipe for about six years and received the calling six years ago, but I did not feel like I was ready to step into that role until just recently. Um, but what that means is that I'm able to offer up prayers for the community and for individuals. So it's any prayer at all. If someone has a child in the military or if they've got someone who's sick or they're just having you know, an interview or something stressful at work and they just need somebody to, to lift up some extra prayers for them, then I will actually go into ceremony with my sacred pipe and lift up sacred tobacco on their behalf um, to Creator and to, you know, God, Jesus, Buddha, Elvis, whomever, um, and um, do that for them. And that's an honorable thing that I do. And I also hold pipe ceremonies for the community, and I'll be doing more of those as we move into next year where people actually can come and sit in sacred circle and pass the pipe around, and they lift up their own prayers through the smoke. Um, and so it's just it's such a beautiful thing. So I, I do all of this, and learning this medicine with, uh, with Robbie has taught me that you know, usually when you are a medicine person, you're practicing three, um, a trigram of medicines. And so definitely allopathic Western, what we call Western medicine, we being Chinese medicine practitioners, call Western medicine is my one of those prongs. And then I have Chinese medicine, obviously, as a second prong. And then my third prong is the Native American medicines. And then I, I guess the, the, the shaft or the, the pole holding up those prongs would be the energy medicine of Reiki and everything. So I guess I'm doing a little bit of all of it. Um, but the way that I work is so unique and then I blend all of them together all of I honestly at this point I don't even know where one ends and the next begins it's such this beautiful swirling of energy and medicine and information and knowledge and wisdom of all of my ancestors and my lineage I come from um, my Chinese medicine lineage is from Jeffrey Yuen who is an 88th generation Taoist priest and that's D-A- O-I-S-T, and some people would see Tao as T, 
So I just, you know, when people hear me say Taoist, they, my Southern accent, they, they think I'm saying something else. But um, so he's an 88th priest in one Taoist lineage, and he's the 26th priest in a second lineage. And that lineage was actually started by a female, which is pretty cool. Yay, female power. <laughs> um, so, you know, so my lineage, and the, the important thing is that you should always try be able to track your medicine person, whoever is working with you in any healing way, they should be able to track their lineage. And you should check that because that goes towards validity. And if they can't tell you who their master is and who they learned their information from and they can't track that back, um, that should kind of put you at a pause. And so I'm very, very, very grateful for Joseph and his grandmother and Robbie that have walked the path before me that makes it easier for me to do what I'm doing. And also for the owner of my school, Sissy Majebe, um, she actually was sued by the state of North Carolina. She was attempted to be arrested about 30 years ago because she was trained in, I believe, New Mexico, came here to open um, a practice in Asheville. And there was, North Carolina was not a licensed state for acupuncture at that time. And so they came and knocked on her door for practicing medicine without a license. And uh, she actually went on the lam for a while while her um, attorney and she battled it out. And it is because of Sissy that we are able to practice as a licensed acupuncturist in North Carolina. So because of her and her fight, I'm able to do what I do. So she's part of my lineage and I'm grateful for that. And then of course, Jeffrey and Jeffrey was trained by his grandfather and uh, his grandfather taught him from the age of four and his grandfather never repeated any information that he ever told Jeffrey and he never allowed Jeffrey to write anything down. And um, Jeffrey was trained as a, um, a martial artist because his grandfather was a very well-known martial artist. And so these, you know, this is the lineage I come from. And then all of my Western medicine background from Nishi Briska at UNCC and all of my amazing instructors at UNCC. And I use the information that they taught me every single day. And I'm just so grateful for that degree. It's a phenomenal program and it's a phenomenal school. So my lineage is important to me. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. And it's all blended together. So everything I say here today may not be straight acupuncture or straight Chinese medicine because it may, it's a blend of everything I do. Um, but I will try to be as purest as I can for you. But that was a very long winded answer. You know me, I'm not, um, brevity is not my strong suit. No, that's beautiful. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do anything short. It's I just... love hearing all of that though, because, you know, I discovered you through my friend Joanne, who has been featured on this podcast several times. Who is um, a badass. I just want to put that out there. Yes, she is. <laughs> Hopefully she hears this. I hope she does. Yeah. And, um, you know, you told me some of that, I believe, during our first session together, but mm -hmm. just to hear it all together. And then you've, you've added some things on since we started working together, mm -hmm. too. So just thinking about that beautiful blend is, is so amazing. And you're just doing so much for not just our community here, but for the world at large. Um, and so I'm just honored to have you here. So thank you. Can you kind of go back a little bit and mm -hmm. tell us what led you to all of those things? How did you how did you come to want to do this work? Because you you've had other professions as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how did you get here? So I honestly I would I would have to say that it's uh, all because of my mom. Mm. You know, as a little girl, my earliest memory is um, of being about four years old. And she would go to an elderly couple in our community, our church community. And she would clean their house and she would bathe them and she would make them food. 
And I would sit in front of their um, coffee table, and they had this coffee table with the glass and the pictures, family pictures underneath that. And I would just sit and look at all those pictures and imagine the stories and things. And so I watched my mom serve people by doing that. Um, and just as a side note, that coffee table is now the table that you guys sit in front of in the practice every oh, really? day in the front room. That's the table. Oh, I'm going to look at it differently now. Yes, yes. Y'all don't know that. But every time I sit there and I look at it, I remember being a little girl and remember my mom. And that's where this journey began. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watching my mom and her um, her aspect of serving and serving the community. And amazing thing about my mom was that I watched her do medicine on people all day long. And she was never trained and she was never... Um, a practicing medicine person at all, but her medicine was that we would be anywhere um, in Union County where I grew up, anywhere, and she would see someone in a store, and I never understood until recently, but she would somehow make her way over to this person, and then she would strike up a conversation with them, and they would first look at her like, who is this crazy woman speaking to me, but within five minutes, she would know everything about you. She probably already knew your family from being in the community, she would tell you things about your family you didn't know, and she would leave them and they would walk away, and I would watch their entire countenance be changed. They would be uplifted, they would be smiling, they would be thinking, you could see thoughts go across their head, and she would just simply walk away and smile. And I'd learned then, and I've said it to patients many times, um, being an acupuncturist, that sometimes um, the most profound healing is not the healing that occurs at the point at the end of the needle. Sometimes the most profound and more deep healing occurs at the point at the end of the sentence. And my mom taught me that. And I watched her do it over and over and over again in her life. And her symbol, she was very religious, um, Christian lady. So her symbol was the butterfly, but she truly was a butterfly. She would flit and she would light on this person here and and they would be changed by by her medicine. And then she would go to the next person. Um, So it's because of that example that I, all I ever wanted to do was take care of people and serve. And um, in my first career as a police officer, I did that. And I was very proud to do that, Um, take care of people and protect people and and make sure that they were safe. And I took that very personally. I've taken very few vows in my life. But when I put my hand on the Bible as a new police officer and vowed to give my life for this community, I meant that. Absolutely meant that. And every police officer means that. Um, And so through that aspect of serving... um, And, you know, I I had intended to be a medical doctor um, along the way and got into police work and so grateful that I did because of all those experiences. But medicine always spoke to me and called me. So I went to um, get my undergrad and I went to school for nine years part time while I was a police officer to get my undergraduate degree. And then I I had a traumatic brain injury that um, prevented me from going to medical school. And I eventually found massage therapy where I taught for six years and through massage therapy training got turned on to Chinese medicine and because at that time we took a national certification exam which means that we had to learn a little bit about everything because everyone in the nation would be taking that same same exam and there were Asian massage schools so we had to learn a little bit about Chinese medicine and the meridians and that sort of thing Um, and so at that point I was like this is pretty interesting it's all I thought then it was all energy work, um, just so ignorant in what it actually is, and uh, just started studying that. And when you take the exam, there are 12 different versions of the exam, and I got the exam that was Asian-based, and so every other question was Asian-based. But luckily, it, it uh, resonated with me, and I just it never left me, and I kept checking back through the years and found local school 
and visited it and I was like, it's time. I have to, this is calling me. And Chinese medicine, especially Chinese herbal medicine is more like the country medicine, the folk medicine that I grew up with because it is the folk medicine of ancient China and it originated back in shamanic actually beginnings of Chinese medicine and then evolved into what we know it today. Um, So I just found my way through watching my mom serve the community and finding my own path to that through various twists and turns. And and here I am putting needles in people and and having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just have to share a little bit about my story and my experience with you. Sure. What led me to come see you, and if there's any uh, male listeners right now, you can choose to pause this or or you can just go ahead and listen. (laughs) It's important for them to know. It is important for them to know. That's Mm -hmm. right. So I came to you because I was bleeding for almost half the month. My menstrual cycle felt like it never really stopped. It would kind of just continue on throughout the month and then it would just start right back up again. Mm -hmm. And I went to my medical doctor and we did a ton of tests. Nothing came up. I mean, there was nothing wrong quote unquote, wrong with me. Right. You know, we couldn't find any source of why this kept happening. Um, and I was sort of at a loss. I mean, her only option to me was, well, we can do an ablation. We can burn out the (sighs) lining of your uterus or we could do a hysterectomy. Mm. And neither one of those felt, of course they didn't feel good. You know, I immediately was like, Ooh, isn't there something, something else that I could try? And so I left and for a while I just dealt with it. Um, And then I kind of started thinking, well, what about acupuncture? You know, I had heard of it. I had never experienced it. And um, I had a friend who called me one day out of the blue. She didn't know I was considering this, Mm -hmm. uh, Joanne. And she was like, you need to go to my girl, Crystal, (laughs) for your bleeding issue. And I was like, all right, give uh, give me her information. And as soon as she said that you were Phoenix Moon Acupuncture mm-hmm. and Apothecary, like that was the name of your business, I was like sold. I was born in Phoenix. I do moon rituals every two weeks. And I just was like, just the name alone just sounds so good. And your mm-hmm. name is Crystal. Mm-hmm. I love crystals. It was just like. You can't <laughs> not. Little woo-woo signs. I'm like, I'm going. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and in working with you, it has completely cleared up. Mm-hmm. Completely. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um I still have uh, just maybe TMI, but I still have kind of heavy, nasty periods. Sure. But the in-between time mm-hmm. is is mine again. I feel mm-hmm. like I have my body back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just so thankful for the work that you do and how thoughtful you are and that you put your heart and your soul and everything that you have into this. Um, and so it has me wondering, how the heck does acupuncture work? <laughs> sure. So, because even after working with you, I'm not even totally sure. Right, right. So I, I'm going to give you a really simplified version. That's the story okay. that I tell everyone just so you can wrap your head around visually what may be happening. And then I want to give you the scientific medical. Okay, okay, sounds good. So the simple version is Chinese medicine is a nature-based medicine. And so I want you to imagine um, a stream in nature. And that stream runs in a certain direction, right? The water goes in a certain way, a certain direction. And along that stream, you have various eddies and things where the rocks change the flow and there's some little eddies there. And some parts of the stream may be deeper, more shallow, just based on, you know, what's going on with the stream itself and the topography. And so in nature, you can have too much sun and it can dry that stream completely. Or you can have major rainstorms and just wash it out and obliterate it. 
or you can have debris that will fall in the stream and change the flow a little bit, or it can be such a substantial debris that it dams it off. Um, and that creates that pressure, you know, back where the, um, the debris is and then everything downstream is affected. So if you take those streams and if you could lift it up and if you could put a stream through every finger, through every toe, through every organ and every, every orifice in your body, um, we would call those streams meridians or channels. You also hear channels being used, but meridians is the correct term. Um, and instead of water, what is flowing in those, those streams, uh, we call chi and blood. And so just like in the streams, that chi and blood runs in one direction according to the channel. They flow in opposite directions because there are yin channels and yang channels, and those flow in, in alternating directions. However, just like in nature, you can have too much of something, which we call, um, sure, excess. And that excess can completely wipe out that channel and obliterate it. You can have um, too little of something, which is um, zhu, which is a deficiency. And so that can dry up the stream. Or you can have trauma come in. And that is the debris that breaks that channel and causes a backflowing or causes a buildup of pressure. And just like in nature with those little eddies, with the swirls, we have those eddies on our channels, on our meridians, and we call those acupuncture points. And so it's my job to know where those eddies are and in which direction those eddies are swirling and how fast and how deep that stream bed is. And it's my job to put that needle in there and get that eddy swirling in the right direction again and open up that flow through that channel and meridian. And so um, that in a nutshell is Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So that's the, the nice simple version, the visual version. The scientific version is that when we place a needle in, we are stimulating um, proprioceptors and sensory um, neurons so that we are sending a message into the spinal cord at the level of the dermatome that is appropriate for whatever that point is, wherever that is. That message goes up the spinal cord, goes into the brain for processing, or sometimes it can go into through the interneuron and come right back out um, the motor neuron. Um, but either way, it goes into the brain for processing, tells the brain this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to make the liver function better. We're trying to clear up that stagnation in the arm from that, the, um, the traumatic injury that we had. Um, we need to get blood flow to that area. We need to get lymphatic flow to the area. And then that message is sent back down via the motor nerves into the muscles, organs, glands, and everything else, and change occurs. So basically, acupuncture is stimulating the nervous system and the endocrine system to cause change and affect change in your body. So that's the nice, simple, scientific way of yeah. describing it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And um, you and I both believe in past lives. And so mm -hmm. um, I know from working with you that maybe something that isn't even um, present in this life that you even know about could come up in acupuncture. I know we've right. we've had that happen in sessions before where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, this is, this is deep, way back, you know, right. we got to bring this up, we got to clear it out, mm -hmm. because it does impact what's happening now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just love that you integrate that as well. Right. I call mm -hmm. it a shadow echo. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from things that have occurred in prior lives, which um, those prior lives are actually not so prior, they're actually happening simultaneously at the yeah. same time, right? Yeah. So you're all, you're a conglomeration of nine different lives that are occurring at this exact moment. And you have an oversoul that is looking down on top of all of those and pieces of your spirit or each, each of those lives. Um, but it's kind of a shadow echo and you get the opportunity in this lifetime 
to help rectify something that's occurring in another lifetime that's occurring concurrently. Um, and you may be, you know, two steps ahead. That injury in that prior lifetime may not have happened yet. Um, so you may have an opportunity to rectify that here and prevent it from happening there and change the course of events. And so it's just such a, a beautiful thing. I love, I love practicing what I call voodoo. Um, you know, so <laughs> when the woo comes in and I connect in and I see those past lives um, playing out in front of me, because that's that's part of my gift is not only do I see spirits and all of that other stuff, but I um, have the opportunity when I'm in your energy or even when you're describing something to me, I am dropped into and I am I'm in your life and I'm am in that past life and I'm uh, um, just kind of standing on the side and I'm seeing the entire scene in front of me. So in that same way. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about acupuncture, and this is another way that I describe it, is those needles don't have anything on them. There's no medicine or anything on there. Um, I like to describe those acupuncture needles as kind of like your solar lamps that you put down your driveway. Those needles are simply guiding you back home to yourself because um, we don't heal. I don't heal. There's nothing about me that heals you. I can't. No, no one heals you. Only you heal you. And the way that Chinese herbs work is they're not making your body do something or forcing it to do something like a pharmaceutical medication would be. All that herb is doing is it's kind of snuggling up next to the, um, to the organ like a, like a snuggly wubby and kind of reminding that organ what it does and how it used to function. And it's in that vibrational resonance with that. Um, so it's just, it's a beautiful thing to be able to use these herbs and these needles to guide the person back home to themselves and help them remember who they are in this life and all the other lives and whatever that belief system is. But the truth is we're, brought, we're bringing you back home to that God within, right? And you can call it whatever you want to. God, Jesus, Buddha, Elvis, you can call it source. You can call it higher power. Whatever it is, you possess a piece of that soul and that spirit within you. And that soul and that spirit knows how to help heal that physical body. Because um, I may have told you before, and, and Robbie told me this, and it was such a stark realization. In the Taoist aspect, um, Jeffrey has always said that the spirit is up there, you know, and we're, we're all spirits up, up in wherever that is. And um, when mom and dad come together and, you know, they got Barry White playing and the disco balls on and all that kind of good stuff. And the, the box wine is pretty much empty and all that good stuff's happening. That spirit is looking down upon uh, mom and dad doing the thing and um, sees that entire lifetime out ahead of them and decides, you know, do I want to be a part with being part of that life ahead of me? And would it expand me? It would expand consciousness in any way. Would it give me the experiences that I'm looking for to expand all of consciousness? And if the answer is yes, then that spirit says, "Ooh, I'm in for the ride. Let's let's make this." And conception occurs, um, and a piece of that spirit descends. And during the gestation period of pregnancy, um, different parts of organs organs have different spirits, and different parts of those spirits descend at different times during the gestation period. Um, and it is my understanding through the downloading and the work that I do that during that pipe period of gestation, that that spirit is looking ahead and seeing all the trials, tribulations, all the good joys and all of the, the struggles and things that may occur in that lifetime. Um, and then the last organ, the last spirit that attaches is the um, spirit of the Po, which is the spirit of the lungs. And when it attaches, it enlivens what we call the Zhong Qi, the chest Qi. And at that moment, that's when the fetal heartbeat begins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Western medicine still can't explain why that, what that nerve impulse is that begins that fetal heartbeat, you know, because once it starts, it doesn't stop um, until it's time to. 
but we know and I know that it is a um, it is that spirit that has chosen to be in that body to have the experiences of that lifetime and the thing that Robbie told me that was so profound is she said you have to remember that not only was it that spirit that made the choice to accept that body for that lifetime but that body did not have to accept that spirit and that is a contract between the two and that contract stays in full force and effect until one or both of them decide to break that contract and separate. Um, so when you are ill, when you have a disease, a condition, or any kind of imbalance, that human body has the ability to heal itself. It already knows how to heal. But it may need the guidance and the whisperings of that spirit who has all of that knowledge and all of that wisdom to lead it back home to itself. All I'm doing with acupuncture and with Chinese medicine and herbs is allowing you to hear the whispers of your spirit. That's it. And every ceremony, every treatment I give is a ceremony. Um, that's why I'm taking the pulse. That's why I'm looking at your tongue. That's why we're having a conversation. It's why I wear a lab coat. It's why you walk into that space and you smell sage and herbs. Everything that we do is all medical practitioners is ceremony. And the purpose of ceremony whether it's with shaman or whether it's with me or someone else is to have you in that place where you can hear and connect to your spirit so that you can hear what needs to be said to you. You can hear the whisperings and that communication between your spirit and your body can occur. And that's what we're there for. You know, I am just, I'm like Julie, the cruise director from the love boat TV show from like, you know, the seventies and eighties. I'm just here to guide you. That's it. Um, I'm a liaison between you and your spirit and your body. And I'm, we are trained as medical practitioners. Hopefully we're very good at identifying the symptoms of when that spirit and that body are out of sync. And that's what we call symptoms and signs and all these um, patterns in Chinese medicine and all these things that we see. And so if we're very, very good and if we're exceptional, um, we can hear the whisperings and we can see those patterns and know exactly what we need to do through our tools, through our training, to get those two back in alignment and correct communication and, and uh, uprightness and right relationship between the two. That's what we do. That's medicine. Anything else is, is not. Mm -hmm. It's just not. Um, and I'm very, I'm very grateful and lucky to be able to walk in all these worlds and see all these things and hold that space and in all these ways. I, you know, I appreciate allopathic physicians and all of their training um, but I do feel sorry for them in a way because they're so limited in, in what on um, the tools available to help them help people heal and I, I, we are seeing a great shift in the uh, western medicine world and, and how they're opening up to integrative medicines and functional medicines and natural natural ways and so I'm really grateful for the shift and to be a part of that um, hopefully ho hopefully we'll be one of the ones leading the way in the future so do you think that'll happen? Do you think Western medicine and Eastern medicine and all these beautiful practices will just all combine and we can take the best of each? And I mean, do you think that'll ever happen? I like to, I like to hope so. I think what it's going to take to happen is egos have to yeah. get out of the way and um, the business of medicine has to stop yeah. and we have to get back into the art of healing. And that's two different things. Unfortunately, we are so driven or Western medicine is so driven by the pharmaceutical and the insurance companies 
that um, Western doctors, even though they have really great intentions, because no one wakes up and says, you know, I think I'm going to subject myself to, to grueling coursework and have really shitty sleep hours and never see my family and all these things and just, you know, do that because, you know, I don't really care about people. But I thought that'd be a really fun way to spend my life is in this turmoil. <laughs> they wake up because they care about people and they really, really want to do some good in the world, but then their hands are tied. And unfortunately, that's that's just the way things are. But I think that there is always space and always room and I always like to hold out hope. You know, if, if there's one thing that I sell, which I hate that word, but if there's one thing that I sell is the possibility of hope. And so I really do think that there is a place for the merging. There is a place for all of us at the table. Um, there, there's This is we're not in competition to help people heal. And I, unfortunately, I do see sometimes allopathic physicians feel like they um, are in competition with us. There's no competition. We're here for the patient. This isn't about me and it's not about you. It's about the patient. And truthfully, none of us got sick by ourselves. It took a whole host of awful food and lifestyle choices and all these things. And there was a, a huge amount of people along the way that made us imbalanced and ill and, and sick. And we're not going to get well by ourselves. It's going to create, it's going to need a team approach. And that means that we're going to need allopathic medicine. You know, we're going to need some alternative medicines and complementary medicines. Because as I have said many times, you will never hear me say that Chinese medicine is the end-all be-all for every condition, nor is, is shamanic medicine or anything else. It's going to take a blend, um, you know, for, especially, you know, in cases of, and the way, way as, allopathic medicine is best and I have to say the allopathic medical system is being abused by people going into the hospitals for stomach pain or for, you know, colds and flus. That is not what allopathic medicine is for. Allopathic medicine is for conditions of when you have life-threatening conditions or when you have such severe injury to the physical body that it requires medical intervention. Other than that, Everything else should be first checked into with complementary medicines and holistic ways and let us work with your medical physician to provide that for you. Because the reason that the medical system is so clogged down is because we've got people going there for stuff that's not necessary. You don't need to go see a Western doctor for sore throat for your kid or for yourself. That is, your body is healing itself. You just need to help your body heal itself. The way to heal that is not with an antibiotic Z-pack. That's not it at all. The way to heal that is to listen to what your body is trying to tell you to do, which is rest and recuperate and heal yourself and not speak. Why do you think you have a sore throat? Because your body needs you to hush. Just hush. You know, so I, I find that, you know, the Western system, even though it may seem to be really non-functioning in a lot of ways, the benefit of it is, you know, I've had cancer. My mom had cancer four times and unfortunately passed from cancer. I treat cancer patients quite a lot. Um, I also treat a lot of orthopedic, orthopedic patients as well. So um, those are the places where, where Western medicine, allopathic medicine shines, is let's repair the stuff that's really broken. Let's use allopathic medicine to prolong or save your life. That's what it's intended for. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is a place for all of us at the table, but we've got to learn how to play well with each other. We've got to hold hands and we've got to play Red Rover with each other. You know, and nobody should get picked last on this team. I mean, and this is just ridiculousness that we're on this playground of medicine and we're, we're giving each other the stink eye across the way. It's ridiculous. I mean, and truthfully, it's not, um, you know, it's on both sides. It's not just allopathic looking at us. There are, unfortunately, some complementary um, medicine people that will look at allopathic medicine and be very close to that. 
Um, but that was my first love and, and you're never going to convince me that that's a bad thing. And I think we all agree that the medical interventions and the, and some medications and some diagnostic techniques are amazing ways to save or prolong our life and tell us what's going on with us and our bodies. So, um, you know, I think there's a place for all of us at the table, but egos need to get out of the way. And we've got to be able to have conversations without ego in place, without fear-based ego. And that's what it is. It's fear-based. It's, you know, I don't want you to come in and take my patient from me because if that happens, then my numbers go down and, you know, my bottom line is affected. And then what that comes down to is it's not a paycheck, it's survival. And you're afraid that you don't have enough to support your family or your lifestyle or whatever it is. And so at the base of all of that, um, (laughs) it's going to say an awful phrase, but um, of that ego-driven fear is just survival. You know, and so we've got to get past that point and understand that once we work together, there's enough. Unfortunately, there's enough sick people for everyone. And as America ages and the population lives longer and longer and longer, we're going to have to work together to ensure that that as a community and um, that we are supporting the healing of everyone. But we've got to work together. And I think there's a place for everyone. We've just got to get to that place. And I don't think we're too far off. I think it's going to take a lot of these brave physicians that we're seeing right now that are open up their own practices, the non-insurance practices um, that are saying, no, this is how I practice medicine. I actually practice medicine. I don't practice, um, you know, this timed, whatever it is that they're doing. But, um, but it takes a lot of those brave physicians to stand up. And there are amazing physicians that are within the Western uh, allopathic medical network right now that are showing up for work every day and doing amazing things. Like my oncologist, my gynecologic oncologist was amazing, is an amazing physician. My surgeon is, uh, every doctor should be like my surgeon was for my hip. I had hip surgery. Um, So every doctor should be like that. So there's amazing physicians within the allopathic system. You just have to really search them out. And, um, And to that effect, I always tell every patient that, you know, I'm just part of your team. You know your body better than anybody else does. So never, ever, ever, ever listen to any physician or anyone or any medical physician person um, without first checking into yourself. Yes, we've gone to school. Yes, we have this wisdom. Yes, we have the diagnostic tools to tell you this is what's going on with you. And here's what I suggest that you do. But ultimately, you have to be the one that knows your body better than anybody else. And you have to make that decision for you. And then we work for you. I'm part of your team. And when I had cancer... You know, I had people, I had my um, physician at the time, he was refusing to do anything other than a hysterectomy. The second time when they thought it came back, the first time um, he, he wanted to do a hysterectomy. And I was 30, what was I, 38, 39. And um, I refused. I absolutely refused because he could not prove to me that there was anything wrong with my uterus, that there was anything, any cancer in my uterus at all. Um, and so I made him just take it from the cervix and, and basically... Um, remove most of my cervix and and now that's a standard surgery for cervical cancer in a lot of in a lot of times um but you know he was telling me you know this is what you need to do um my husband at the time was absolutely amazing and of course he was like yeah I I would I want you to have the hysterectomy because I want you to have peace and be well I want you to live um and all of my friends were saying the same thing but what I knew to be true was that didn't feel right to me and so I actually um we I had my my physician do remove most of my cervix. Um, and because of that, I had biopsies every three to four months uh, after that. And, and that was fine. I've had about 15 biopsies in my uterus at this point. Um, and a year later they, he thought it came back and cause I had, and I'll never forget the phrase you have abnormal cells leading towards neoplastic inclination. 
which means you have precancerous cells. And because of your history, this is what we think is going to happen. And he said, I refuse to do anything on you other than a hysterectomy. I refuse. And I said, well, it's really been great having you as a physician for 20 years, but that's not going to work for me. And I sent out an email to every male, female, every friend that I had asking for really great gynecologist and surgeons names. And I got entire list of people back and I interviewed each one and I saw four different um, physicians. The second physician was in Asheville. She was a female. She had all my medical records. Um, we worked really hard to get all my medical records to her in time. And she, all she read was the cover letter, I think, from my physician that wanted the hysterectomy. And she walks in and no lie, she says to me, sweetheart, if you don't do this, you're going to die. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. That does not work for me. And you don't know me. So I found the third, the third, and she was phenomenal. She turned me on to my gynecologic oncologist, and he was wonderful. And he said, tell me what you want. Yes, we're going to um, do another pap on you today, and I feel certain it's going to be absolutely fine. We're going to send it um, two floors down to Edwin, and I'm going to go look at it later myself versus sending it to a pap um, mill, a lab that's in Greensboro where most places get sent. Um, he said, and then you and I are going to become really good friends over the next year, and, and I'm sure this pap's going to be fine, but we're going to see you every three months for a biopsy, and you're going to be fine. Um, and I was fine. But if I had not trusted myself and kept fighting for me and fighting for my uterus, whose name is Cecil, by the way, that may be too much information, but <laughs> his name is Cecil, and yes, my uterus is a he. Um, <laughs> don't know why, but during my cancer, he told me his name was Cecil, and I'm going with that. Um, but I am still whole and complete. And unfortunately, you know, I, I feel very sorry for those women that have had to have hysterectomies and, and have cervical cancers and other cancers because, and you are still whole and complete, even though you may not have your uterus, you still are whole and complete. Um, and I just, you know, my heart goes out to you. Um, but I fought for me and I fought for mine and I fight, I fought, um, for my menstrual cycle and I fought for my orgasms for God's sakes because the uterus is hugely involved in, in orgasm. And so, I mean, that's something to fight for. Um, so I did. And uh, I'm very grateful for listening to myself. And the thing that my um, husband, uh, was been now, was my husband, um, told me um, back then that I'll never forget. And he said, you know, uh, I want you to make the decision. And then I want you to make the decision that you can put 200% of yourself behind and never look back. Never look back. You know, and... When I was sitting in medical school with the cancer and I could feel it kind of shooting the pains through my, um, through my uterus and stuff in class. Um, and, you know, at night, the truth was it was just me and the cancer. And I kept the blog through all of it called No Womb for Doom. And um, it was me and the cancer and we had conversations. And I had to make the decision that I could live with. And uh, the key word there is live. So if the choice that you make is to have a hysterectomy or have other cancer surgeries or other surgeries in order to save your life, then you get behind that and you, you believe that and don't look back and don't doubt yourself. Um, and I know as a, as a cancer survivor that every ping and every sensation and everything you have after that moment, you're going to be terrified that the cancer comes back. Um, but as Jeffrey says, that my Dallas priest says, where the mind goes, the chi follows. So you have to take that thought and you have to wrap it in compassion. And uh, as one of my um, doctorate professors, um, Dr. Cameron uh, Bishop, had said, he said, the greatest mercy that you will ever show is the mercy you show yourself. You know, and I think whenever we're in those places of um, doubting ourselves and did I make the right decision, I think you have to wrap yourself in that mercy and the compassion and trust that if you had that conversation with your body and you really, really asked yourself, what do you need? What have I not given you? 
How can we um, have a relationship again? And that body says, I just need you to spend time with me. I just need you to do this surgery. I need you to do that. Um, then uh, I think you'll find a lot more peace. You know, I, I had the surgery, but I also did Chinese medicine. I did divergent treatments to get rid of my HPV. And I did um, vaginal suppositories that I called puss pops or puss sickles. Um, I know it's awful, um, <laughs> but you do, you know, they're kept in a refrigerator and you have to insert them. And so I had the most amazing smelling hoo-hoo for a long time. <laughs> Um, because of the herbs and stuff like that. But, um, but through those vaginal suppositories and the divergent treatments, I got rid of my HPV and I felt it. I knew when it came out, there was a lot of inflammation. There were a lot of signs and symptoms, but I haven't had HPV since. And as my oncologist said, he said, you know, without HPV, you can't have cancer. So, um, I am going to consider you absolutely cleared from cancer. And that was in, uh, 2011. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Again, brevity is not my strong suit, but I think, you know, we as individuals, we have to, we owe it to ourselves. We have to get back in touch with our bodies and our spirits, and we have to have that communication, and we have to ask, what do I need? And as Jeffrey says, sometimes being well does not mean the absence of disease. And he also says that there are no incurable people, uh, incurable diseases, there are only incurable people. So unfortunately, that is true. Sometimes people have attached to their conditions and disease processes so much that it's defined them. And it has provided something to them, whether that be a safety blanket or attention or whatever it is that they're needing. That process is providing something to them. And so we need to honor that. So even if it's our family member and they've chosen to go down this path and, and they're not getting better or well, we need to honor that because it's giving them something that they weren't getting without that process that was there. Um, and if that process means that they have to make that walk towards transition, then we also need to, to honor that because maybe that was part of that soul journey. Maybe that was part of that experience and maybe they weren't um, supposed to be healed as what we call healing. What we call healing is out of our own fear. We as individuals have this fear of watching people and it's our uncomfortableness with watching someone walk towards that place of transition. And uh, Lindsay, our friend Lindsay, is that she's um, been on here too? I know she's so amazeballs. I just I have heart, heart, hearts for her. Um, you know that you know she's helping people take that final walk and transition. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. So you know it's just it's all a process. And I'm not even really sure what your original question was like ten minutes ago. But well, it doesn't matter because <laughs> you know when I interview people, I'm always thinking like of the next thing, and I mm. always I like to connect the bridge of what you were saying to the next question mm. and. You were like reading my mind because yeah. I was going to ask you about like using our intuition mm -hmm. and knowing what is right for us because there's so much out there. There are so many different avenues that you right. can go down to right. heal. Right. And um, part of my podcast seeks to expose people mm -hmm. to that. And mm -hmm. you just underline the message that I always like to reiterate that we are our own healers. Yes. And no one else can heal us besides ourselves. Nope. But you may need some help getting there. Mm -hmm. And and. There's a process in learning what's out there and using your little true north mm -hmm. signal that's going to say, yes, do do that or stay away from that or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And mm -hmm. so I was going to ask you kind of how you listen to your intuition, but you you just went ahead and did that. Yes. Yeah, I'm channeling <laughs> so, you, girl. I'm right here. Yeah. I'm feeling, I'm picking it up. Um, so you really answered multiple questions of yeah, mine well, in that, which was amazing. God, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I, um, you know, I just think it's so important that we get back in touch with who, who we are. And, you know, and as I've, I said recently at, um, earth medicine training is, um, 
the path isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. Always worth it. You know, I started this journey of of working through my daddy issues and all my other um, stuff, God, 15 years ago. And 15 15 years ago, um, I hit a low point. I wrote suicide notes. And I, I had a breakdown in, um, in the work at um, the massage school I was teaching at. Wrote suicide notes and um, hated everything about my life. Hated my work. I hated my marriage. I hated my relationships. I hated everything. And the thing I hated most was myself. Mm-hmm. And in that breakdown after I, I mean, I was slinging snot like a rodeo bull writing those letters and, and stuff to my parents, uh, to my mom. Um, to my husband at the time and to a a dear friend, um, what I realized in that moment was that none of those things had anything in common except me. I was the common denominator in all of those things and all of those relationships and all of those things that I hated so much because my husband had nothing to do with my work. My work had nothing to do with my relationship with my father or anything at all. But I was the common denominator and I hit that bottom. And the thing, the best thing, And everybody talks about, you know, I'm falling or you're breaking down or whatever. The best thing about falling is that um, when you're falling, when you're in the process of spiraling, there's no direction. You can't can't get a footing on anything. You're in the process of falling. But when you hit bottom, that's a great place to be because now you know which way up is. And now you have firm foundation underneath you. Then sometimes all you can do is just lay there for a while with the breath knocked out of you. But the beautiful thing about having the breath knocked out of you is that the breath holds all of those experiences that have come before that point. And yes, let's get rid of the breath. Let's get rid of those experiences that have gotten you onto the bottom. And in that next breath of inhalation, you're taking in that breath of life. And you're taking in that new prayer and that new promise to yourself. And sometimes all you can do is lay there until you can catch your breath. And then maybe you roll over onto a side and eventually maybe, maybe you get to one knee and then maybe you get to two and then eventually maybe you stand again. Um, and when my mom died, I definitely was in that place of laying, just laying there with the breath knocked out of me for about totally, truthfully about two years. Um, but it took about six months or more before I could even roll over. And, um, when you hit bottom, you have such new perspective that you didn't have before. And it allows you to look back on everything that you passed in the fall. And you can give gratitude for that. And you can give respect and honor that and um, let that go. And then eventually get to your feet. And so what I decided in that moment of when I hit the bottom um, was that I needed to change me. And if I changed me like the hub of a wheel, everything that radiated out from me would also change. And so over the next year and a half, I um, started studying Taoism and Buddhism And all these ancient cultures and um, Native American work and all these ancient cultures. And I realized that there were five elements in every culture that contributed to wellness. And that is actually the basis of my five elements of wellness, um, treatment, assessment, and plan, and approach. And that is put on the framework of the five elements theory of Chinese medicine. But for a year and a half, I worked really hard on every aspect of myself. I lost 50 pounds um, in the process. And um, I was fired five times for my job because as I changed people didn't understand how what is this what's happening and it made them uncomfortable so they they expected me to be a certain way and I didn't realize it until much much later that at that time I was experiencing PTSD um and it's only something I recently understood that and I uh, I have trauma and I have PTSD and so I 
um, have healed and am healing from that and working through that every single day. And that's something that I live with now. And I didn't have that knowledge back then. And unfortunately, a lot of people were affected by that, by my not knowing. But you do the best with what you have in this moment based on your finances, your education, your training, and your experience. And, you know, when you know better, do better. Um, so I worked really hard and I started um, changing my life and changing who I am. And I worked through a lot of daddy issues on my own. And, um, and then eventually I needed a counselor and then I needed a therapist. And I have a therapist now. Um, and, you know, it just... it it's a process and it's been really challenging at times. And there have been times I've been back on the floor, back on my knees, back slinging snot like a rodeo bull. But I also know that every time I hit that floor, I've been here. I know my way up. I know my way back. I am no longer scared of the darkness, mine or anyone else's because I've walked in mine. And I, um, I've always told patients, especially those that are in a really um, challenging condition process that I will walk with you in your darkness. I will walk with you and I'll walk down that road with you and I'm not afraid. And uh, I can only do that because I've walked in my darkness. And when you start to trip and fall and maybe lose your way, I'll catch you before you ever hit bottom. Um, And I will walk you into that darkness. But I swear you, I promise you that I will walk you back into the light. And I will walk you back into the light, a different person and a changed person. But I need you to trust me along the way. And you may not like me at all. You may curse me and I've had patients straight up curse me. Um, but they've trusted me the whole time. And it was a long walk for um, these patients. One was a five, six-year process, but now she's completely well, whole, no medications, incredible life. Um, And she went through all sorts of things, cancers and breast cancer and heart stopped on the table and all these other things, Um, but she trusted me. And um, and I walked her back into the light, and now she's she's this incredible person, but I couldn't have done that with her if I didn't first walk there myself. And uh, I'm not afraid of darkness. And darkness is not evil. That's two different things. And uh, I actually have a a blog coming out about that. But um, darkness is yin. It's a place of nutrients. It's um, it's it's the place in the mud where the lotus gets its growth from. And so I don't want anyone to be afraid to, to step into their darkness. And they may be afraid of what they see there, but that's why there are counselors and therapists and people like myself to help you walk in that place and come out a different person. But it's a long process, and it's not easy, but it's always worth it. My life's incredible. You know, from 15 years ago, if you had told me in that moment that, hey, you're going to be eventually a doctor of Chinese medicine, you're going to be on podcasts, and you're going to be giving um, professional you know, presentations and speaking engagements and, and really affecting people and have this amazing puppy and an incredible life with amazing friends, I probably would have throat punched you at that point. Um, and stepped on you and walked over you because um, that was who I was at that point. Um, but, you know, it's, it's an entirely different world. And all I say to people going through that process is hold on. Just hold on. Just stick with me. You know, and that, that is an acupuncture joke there. Stick with me. Um, <laughs> oh, I get it. Right, you got it. Um, just stick with me. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll get you there. Um, and when you lose faith in yourself, I'll hold that faith for you. That's my job is to hold that space for you and have that faith for you when you don't and hold that hope for you when you can't. And um, I'll never forget my uncle at a family reunion one day. He walked up to me and he goes, hey, and he said, what? He goes, so that burden that you're carrying, how about will you let me carry that for you for just a little bit? And if after a while you want it back, I'll give it back to you. But if you don't, that's okay. And so I think about that so much with my patients is, 
let me carry this for you for a little while while you're here I'm gonna put it right here next to the door if you want that when you go back out you can have it but if you find you don't need it anymore I'll take care of it I'll find a place to plant that and recycle that for good you know so beautiful, Crystal. Yeah, so I, I truly, I'm so blessed. I wake up every morning, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazeballs. I get to be part of everybody's life and their families and their experiences and part of this community. And I get to stab people for a living and make money at that. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. a win-win. And yeah. I mean, you've been under my needles. I hum the whole time and sometimes I'll break into song. You never know. It might be Prince or Aretha or... Or someone else, but I, I love what I do and I love the opportunity to serve and bear witness to people's healing and growth. And that's the coolest thing for me, I think, is people will come in and, and I watch the shift. I watch the shift happen from the moment they walk in the door until they walk out. And I've seen it in you and I've seen it in others. And it's that's my that's when I get to do the fist pump in the air of yes, that's what I'm talking about. Such a beautiful experience, um, just watching that shift and seeing you connect to you in a different way and you heal yourself and come to a realization that you didn't have before. Um, you know, that's the beautiful thing. Yeah. Beautiful. I can't thank you enough for your wisdom today and for just the way that you hold space for everyone that you work with. And it's just, it's so inspiring and it's just magic. It's amazing, Crystal. I just love you. Mm -hmm. And, um, if someone is listening to this and is like, Ooh, I have to work with her. How can they connect with you? Where can people find you? Yeah, so right now you can find me on my website, which is phoenixmoonacupuncture.com, and that's spelled P-H-O-E-N-I-X. And that's moon like moon in the sky. And acupuncture is always misspelled, and that's spelled A-C-U-P-U-N-C-T-U-R-E. So phoenixmoonacupuncture.com. You can also reach me at my number, which is 980-819-1213. You can text me to that. I'm a texter. Um, and so that works as well. Or you can email me at crystal spelled the classic way, uh, at phoenixmoonacupuncture.com. And some of those things will be shifting in the coming months, but those will be live sites and live emails for at least several months. So, you know, please um, reach out and you can also find me on Instagram. I don't really do Facebook business so much cause I just, I don't have that time, but Instagram is Phoenix moon acupuncture on Instagram as well. Um, but I'm, I'm just here to serve and I'm here to guide. And I knew a long time ago that my purpose, I had three um, purpose, purposes, purpi, um, <laughs> purpi, um, here. And that was to gather people together of like mind, um, to guide people along their path and along the process of awakening and healing, um, and to help people heal. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully along the way, I'm making my, my mom proud. Oh, I know you are. I know you are. So. Thank you so much for being here. Thank I will you. put links to everything in the show notes so people can Thank you. I appreciate you so much. I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at athenarisingpodcast.com or at Athena Rising Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.